welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so I'm not sure if you can tell or not, but um, we actually have some new podcasting equipment. Um, we upgraded our microphones. We got this um, piece of podcasting equipment for all the tech geeks out there. Uh, it's called a Roadcaster Pro. Uh, it makes the whole process and the production of the actual podcast very, very simple and easy. So far, it's... Uh, um, and pretty, f- I know you don't really get too excited about any of that kind of stuff, but you know, certainly, you know, certainly I, uh, I, I like all the, all the gear and everything. Well, I liked all the options and I certainly like the colored little buttons on it. They're real pretty. Yeah. It looks very, uh, you know, it looks very sophisticated. It looks, you know, almost like a you know, mini version of like a real radio studio. So <laughs> hopefully, you know, hopefully the sounds, you know, uh, our voices sound good, um, uh, you know, I'm, I know our last one, we, you know, the sound was okay. We still have a little bit of echo in the room. We're in the middle of a coronavirus quarantine. Uh, so we've you know, kind of uh, uh, stuck in the house a little bit. And uh, we've been uh, kind of planning this uh, kind of this new launch of our podcast. Not really a lot is going to change, but really it was the upgrading the equipment and, um, you know, pretty exciting nonetheless. And the cool new microphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, microphones are, for those that are interested, is what uh, is the Rode PodMic. Um, specifically designed for podcasting. Again, for those of you that are not into microphones, you probably don't care. Um, but these are considered dynamic microphones, so they and they're designed specifically for podcasting. Uh, and uh, you know they they're meant to make your voice sound good without picking up all the extra sounds in the you know in the in the room. Uh, our dog is at our feet, and uh, in the past he's been chewing on a bone, and sometimes that noise would get picked up. You know, you're hearing a strange noise in the background, but now this one. Uh, is only supposed to pick up our voices and and cut down some of the echo and uh, for example if the in the summertime if the air conditioning comes on or a car drives by or you know something the microphone is going to pick up all that extraneous noise so and yeah. we thought if we're stuck in the house here for a few days that hey let's get some podcasts out and let's reach out to people yeah yeah uh, so uh, a little bit of uh, you know kind of strange times with all this coronavirus stuff going on. We're not going to spend too much time talking about that. Pay attention to, uh, you know, the right resources. Uh, you know, certainly, um, I think, you know, for until we know more, I think the uh, a certain level of social isolation or, as they call it, social distancing isn't really a bad idea. Uh, and then just supporting immune function and making sure that your, you know, sleep is good, all those things. Because we did do a podcast, um, probably, I want to say, maybe the one before this one or a few before this one where we talked about the immune system. So that might be helpful in, you know, working on strengthening and stimulating the immune system. So if you're interested in that, you can check out, a, I think it was maybe a three podcasts prior to yeah, this Yeah, it was one, like so. 71, 72. It was, uh, you know, it was really 
before all this coronavirus. It was, we really recorded that just because it was the cold and flu season and we figured it was kind of, you know, uh, good timing, uh, not because of the coronavirus, but just because, you know, the, the cold and flu season is kind of an annual thing. And then here, here we are, full-blown coronavirus. And uh, we do have a blog that we wrote as well on COVID-19. So that's also on the website if you wanted to check that out. Now, granted, it was published March third. So a lot's happened since then, but there is some more of that immune system information on there if you're interested in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just things that uh, we use with our patients that we've used, uh, you know, routinely over the years for these types of situations. Now, granted, what we're in the middle of right now is a little bit of extreme, um, but what we can do to keep our immune systems functioning strong, none of the things that we recommend are cures for the you know coronavirus it doesn't it doesn't really work that way uh, i know that there's some work on uh, vaccination being kind of fast tracked through already in clinical trials and you know you and i being in washington we're kind of like coronavirus ground zero we're like right in the middle of it uh, you know for the most part we live up in bellingham which is you know north of seattle by about 100 miles it doesn't seem like there's uh, you know there's too much of a uh, you know of a coronavirus presence around here or a panic too much. I mean, people are um, distancing themselves, but they're not going, you know, widespread panic. There's still food on the shelves. I know my my sister lives in Bellevue, and it's a little bit more of a ghost town there, which Bellevue, Washington, is never a ghost town, so it's a, it's kind of odd for them. But hey, we're, we'll all get through this. You know, we'll all embrace each other and get to hang out at home and and hang out with our families. And I always I was teasing Dr. Mackey. I said, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll look back on this, and there'll be a Corona boom. What is it? Baby boom. So. Be a bunch of babies born nine months yeah, from now. Hey, hey, you, you never, never know. You never know. There's always, you know, you know, we always want to look on the bright side of things because we definitely will get through this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's, um, you know, again, you and I are not immunologists or virologists. You know, we do some things that support immune function. So you can go back and listen to the other two podcasts uh, that, uh, you know, talk about that specifically. Um, but let's transition, talk about the things that we still are getting questions on all the time with some of the other uh, blogs and podcasts we've put out and we get this constant, you know, steady stream of questions um, because when it comes to hormone replacement, whether we're talking thyroid, adrenals, uh, female hormones, male hormones, uh, there's not necessarily one way to do it. You know, that's what makes it challenging. That's what makes it complicated. Uh, you go to, if a patient goes to 10 different doctors, there's going to be 10 different opinions or 10 different prescriptions for that particular person's situation. Uh, you and I have developed our own little style and our own, uh, what would you say, our own approach to, you know, people's situations. And it's, you know, it's proved to be you know, fairly effective in most cases. Uh, so we'd like to continue with our previous format and discuss uh, a couple of, uh, actually, this one we're going to do, her name is Lisa. Uh, so, Dr. Davis, why don't you go ahead and read um, sure, Lisa's sure. question. So, this is Lisa, and actually, Lisa is a reader that she found us on a blog post that we had written about um, where to apply hormone cream. And, and it's actually a really interesting question because we get, a lot of these questions really do seem like, honestly, they're valid for a lot of women taking hormones. You know, I've heard this question pretty much, you know, gosh, a hundred times over, you know, over the course of our career. But, um, but this is from Lisa. I have recently started taking 50 milligrams of progesterone and bias cream 50, 50 ratio. It's been three weeks. I'm experiencing hot flashes at night and seeing very little improvement in my sleep. Does it really matter where we apply the bias cream? I was told inner thighs and I feel that I absorb it better in my inner arms. Also, could the dosage be too low? 
Also, I cannot tolerate more than 50 milligrams of progesterone, and these come from a compounding pharmacy. Yeah, right. So these are, uh, you know, these are fairly basic uh, questions. Uh, now, granted, these should be ones that her uh, doctor's answering, um, but she's like she said, it's only been three weeks. Uh, so uh, first off, uh, when, and this is another thing that we see quite often too, when people tell us what they're taking, the 50 milligrams of progesterone is fairly easy. Uh, she says that they're coming from a compounding pharmacy, so we know that it's not Prometrium. We know that it's more than likely bioidentical progesterone. Uh, but the bias, she says 50-50 ratio. The 50-50 ratio is, it basically pertains to the concentration of the two forms of estrogen in that cream. Uh, it does not necessarily tell us how much that she's actually taking. Okay, so uh, what we've noticed, especially when these kind of questions come in, and especially it's been three weeks, her, her hot flashes are worse, everything, uh, you know, it seems like it's, you know, going the wrong direction, she's not improving, that would tell us without knowing what her dose is, that her dose is probably a little too low. Yeah, so definitely let's break this up a little bit. So she wants to know about the dosage. She's not seeing any improvement in what she's looking for, which it sounds like sleeping. And of course, if she's having hot flashes at night, she's certainly not sleeping. And she's talking about progesterone, not being able to tolerate it, and also, you know, where to apply the cream. So definitely, as Dr. Mackey said, Lisa, your dose is way too low. And she may be applying it only once a day. So really with the bioidentical hormones, they're awesome. I mean, they're amazing. Uh, you know, they look exactly like what our own hormones and our own body would be making, being, you know, hence bioidentical. But at the same time, they really don't have a very long half-life. So if she's applying her bias cream in the morning, I guarantee you by midnight, one o'clock at night, it's gone. So hence those nighttime hot flashes. And so definitely I think the dosage would be low. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, and, and this is one thing that we kind of coach our patients on in the beginning is that when you give a woman that is going through the, you know, the, the perimenopause or the menopausal transition and her symptoms start to show up, when she starts a hormone therapy, um, her symptoms could, you know, initially get worse, which is exactly what they don't want. Their, you know, their hot flashes could go up, their night sweats could either, either not improve or just, you know, kind of flare up a little bit. And that's usually always an indication that dose needs to increase. And, and it has been three weeks, so by this time, she's given it a, you know, a good, good amount of time. It should have had some effectiveness if the dose was, you know, proper, maybe it, like we're saying, it's either too low or she's not doing it twice a day. Because I really think with the hormone creams, not so much the progesterone, but the hormone-biased creams, they should be applied twice a day. So number one, Lisa should definitely be applying it at night. And like I said, with the dosage, so when you say 50-50 ratio, it really doesn't tell us a lot about what she's taking. We know that she's taking a, you know, 50% of her dose is estradiol and 50% of her dose is estriol. So for example, if she's taking four milligrams of biased 50-50 ratio, that's two milligrams of estradiol and two milligrams of estriol. But she could be taking one milligram of 50-50 ratio biased, which would be 0.5 of each estradiol and estriol. That's really low. She could be taking 10, which is very, very high. So it really depends on what dose she's on. So that would be the probably the number one thing to raise that up. Because one thing with the um, with nighttime as we were kind of talking about our immune system, is when we're sleeping, our immune system rallies and raises up our body temperature, just a small, small amount. But in a female that's going through menopause, that small raise in temperature will, will definitely stimulate or exacerbate hot flashes. So sometimes I actually have women take a little more hormone of their estrogen 
you know, biased cream at night and a little less during the day just to kind of account for that temperature rise in the middle of the night because nobody likes to wake up with their jammies soaked. I mean, I've heard stories of women, they sleep on towels. They have a spare set of jammies sitting right beside them so they can rip off their shirt and put on another one. I mean, definitely, you know, if you're having hot flashes at night, you know, Lisa is not getting any sleep. Yeah, right, right. Uh, And uh, she also mentions in there too about applying it to the inner thigh or to the forearm. We usually recommend not applying it to the arm uh, some women like to rub it into their wrists or, you know, the forearm or even the upper arm. And we usually encourage women to keep it on the uh, inner thighs. Uh, the absorption is still fine. Uh, it's not necessarily absorbed one better one place or the other. Um, but when w- you go in for uh, lab testing to check levels, if a woman is putting or even a man is putting their hormone cream on their forearms, it can skew the lab testing. It can make those levels look artificially elevated. Uh, if you think about it, when you go to the you know when you go to the lab, they draw the blood from your what's called your antecubital fossa, which is your basically your elbow. Uh, and no one really you know enjoys that process very much. But if you're putting your hormone creams on your forearms and they draw blood, now those numbers are going to be uh, very inaccurate. And just a couple of points with that too is, you think the skin on your forearm it's really thin and there's not a lot of fat there, but you know. Most of us ladies have a nice fat pad on our thigh. So if you apply it, if you apply the hormones, because all hormones are um, basically have a cholesterol backbone, they're fat soluble. So I have always felt like if you apply it into an area that's got a nice fat pad, then it's going to absorb into that fat pad and then it's going to pulse out over the next 12 hours as opposed to if I put it on the real thin skin of my forearm, it's going to go right into my system and it's going to go right out. So like I was saying earlier, you know, the bioidentical hormones are beautiful, but their half-life is very short, that you want to try to, you know, increase that longevity of it being in the system. So definitely I love the inner thigh. And then also, which all of you probably have thought of in one idea or or another, is if you're applying your cream to your arm and you wear a short sleeve shirt and maybe you got a cat or a little dog or a little human being that you love to cuddle and hug on, then you're going to just share that cream with, you know, other beings. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, it may, may not be a big deal uh, for the amounts of hormones that women use, but if men are using testosterone, that can be a really big deal. Um, but still, we don't want to be leaching any of those hormones to any other creatures just because one, they're small, whether it's a human or a cat or a dog. Uh, and uh, we want to minimize that. We want to, you know, we want to keep it for ourselves. We don't want that to be uh, you know, rubbing off on, on somebody, on someone else. Uh, like I said, not to mention the effect that it can have on lab testing. Yeah, you're right. You know, got on a, a big man, if your hormone cream got on a big man, that wouldn't be a big deal. You know, men get all weirded out about, oh my gosh, is that estrogen getting near me? What's yeah. going to happen? Yeah, yeah. You'll be just fine if you accidentally got that cream on you from your lady. But at the same time, you got a little animal there and they, they lick your arm. They're going to be more needy than they were to begin with. Yeah, right, right. Uh, now, the other way, though, for a man's testosterone, if he's using a, a, a transdermal cream and that rubs off on, you know, again, the same, the, the woman, the kids, the pets, that could be a big deal because the dosage, the dosage amount that men use for testosterone is quite a bit larger and it could have a little bit more f- kind of far-reaching implications. Um, but that doesn't, you know, we always coach everybody about that. That doesn't happen very often, if ever. Uh, you know, it's a fairly rare occurrence just because we make a point to you know, let everybody know about that. So, and then just on a quick side note, talking about Lisa, is her 50 milligrams of progesterone. So she doesn't say, and granted, you know, 
They don't need to go into a full diatribe, you know, about themselves. But she doesn't say if she has a uterus or not. So I could see perhaps her practitioner might have been a little hesitant at giving her maybe a higher dose of the biased because of her inability to take a higher dose of progesterone. So definitely, like Dr. Mackey said, it came from a compounding pharmacy. That 50 milligrams of progesterone is not prometrium, which comes in 100 or 200 um, milligram tablets anyway. But the 50 milligrams that she's taking is you know, bioidentical from the compounding pharmacy. But what progesterone does, I mean, progesterone does so many things. But one wonderful thing that progesterone does is it protects the breast tissue. And it also protects the uterine lining, um, basically the endometrial lining of the uterus. Because if that endometrial lining thickens too much, which estrogen has a tendency to do, that's a side effect of all estrogens, is if you have a uterus, it will grow things, specifically the lining of your uterus, which then puts you at risk for a cancer. You know, likelihood, very, very low, but there's still a higher risk than if you weren't taking the estrogen. So one thing that you do to offset that is you make sure that that female with the uterus has enough progesterone to offset that negative consequence of the thickening of the uterine lining, which is very easy. So you do, you know, a higher dose of progesterone, like 100, um, 125, 150, 200 milligrams to, you know, just to kind of compensate for that. So then you have no problems about her having any bleeding or thickening of the uterine lining, and then you can raise up that estrogen. So it might be that her, um, her doctor is just a little hesitant because of her inability to take more progesterone. Yeah. Now, this is something that this this issue right here comes up a lot. Uh, and then the next question would be, well, what about creams versus capsules? Um, this is uh, what you just basically explained is exactly why we prefer capsules versus creams, because progesterone creams do not have that same effect on inhibiting the uterine lining. Even though it goes right into your bloodstream and the creams really do raise up the levels, it just doesn't have that effect on keeping the uterine lining thin. Now, if you really wanted to keep the uterine lining thin, then you do you could do a progesterone transvaginal suppository, but um, you know, vaginal suppository is messy and really irritating <laughs> to the tissues anyway. So, you know, doing an oral progesterone. So I'm thinking that, you know, maybe with Elisa, if she could, you know, maybe switch the progesterone to a sustained release or, you know, try to work up her way to try to get to 100. If she had a uterus, work that progesterone up to 100, then she'd be able to raise up her biased cream. So, And then just like Dr. Mackey was saying, you know, I mean, I use creams with progesterone all the time for certain, for other, you know, specific individuals. In this case, in Lisa, because she also can't sleep, is we've got to get rid of the hot flashes, because I guarantee you, even when she's sleeping, she's probably still having many hot flashes and she's not even conscious and she's not getting into that deep sleep. So it's like she's not getting any sleep all night long. And then, so after you raise up that estrogen to help, you know, alleviate the hot flashes, doing progesterone as a capsule is awesome for sleeping, especially for helping you stay asleep through the night. Yeah, right. That first month when we deal with a new patient, that first month is really about that. It's about getting rid of the hot flashes and improving the sleep quality. Uh, in some ways are kind of tied together, right? The sleep quality is diminished because they're having all these night sweats. The covers are coming on and off and on and off and on and off. Uh, and they're miserable. Uh, that bleeds into the next day. Their energy is low. Their mood's low. They're gaining weight like crazy. So, you know, the first 30 days is to get rid of the hot flashes. So that means you might have to, uh, and we'll talk about this 
on some other episodes later about dosing and how to titrate and how to change things. Um, but you know, that's why the dose might actually need after three weeks, the dose should have probably have changed already. Because like you said, if she was going to get a, an improvement, she would have already seen an improvement by now. It should happen relatively in that first week. She should, you know, write back or, you know, give some feedback and say, oh my God, I finally slept. You know, I'm actually feeling better. My hot flashes are, have been reduced by the three week period should be reduced by at least 50%, if not 75 to 80% uh, in most cases. Now, granted, there's some, you know, there's some stubborn ones sometimes, uh, especially when their stress level is very high, okay? They got a lot going on, especially now with the coronavirus and all the uh, adjustments to people's lives, stress goes up, you know, that's going to make your hot flashes worse and it's going to be harder to tame them down. So that's where the practitioner has to be a little bit more, I wouldn't say aggressive, but a little bit more, um, you know, not as conservative on the dosing of the estrogen. That's, you know, and as you said too, that's where the progesterone comes into play. So it's, you know, it's definitely a delicate balance uh, between the two of those and to find a dose, a dosage that is very specific to that particular patient. Perfect. Well, I think we've kind of broken up Lisa's question and hopefully, um, you know, definitely want to give a shout out to Lisa and say thank you for submitting your question because it will help so many other women because a lot of other women have the same concerns. Yeah, right. So uh, just uh, just for future episodes, we're going to probably be doing this kind of format, uh, you know, on an ongoing basis because it gives you and I uh, and all of you, it gives us, it gives you and I something to discuss and talk about. You may see some similar questions or uh, you might hear some repetition, but, uh, you know, a question like this answers lots of questions for lots of women. Uh, so, uh, if you have any feedback, certainly let us know, uh, you can visit our website, progresshealth.com, uh, and, uh, you know, send us a message. Uh, otherwise we will catch you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.